Welcome to Experiencing Christ with Pastor Dennis Matufu. Freedom Experience is a teaching ministry of the Word that is driven by the purpose that believers may subjectively realize the full knowledge of the truth according to 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4. Experiencing God in the incarnated Word, which is Christ to be life and light to man with grace and reality for man's enjoyment. And now, open wide your spirit to receive this great teaching which is going to empower you to begin experiencing Christ as your life. This is Pastor Dennis Matovo, worth hearing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <laughs> freedom reigns in this place. Freedom experience, experiencing Christ. Praise the Lord, glory to God. Thank you for turning in and tuning in on Freedom Experience Radio. This is Freedom Experience Ministry and I am Pastor Dennis Matovo. Brother from Kampala, Uganda, we love you, we pray for you, we believe in you. We know that you are enjoying our ministry and our portion and we thank the Lord for the portion that he has given us. I want you to know that uh, every ministry God has given every ministry a ministry or a portion of Christ to dispense to other people. And as a ministry, Freedom Experience Ministry, God has given us a ministry of dispensing Christ to others. Uh, we give out Christ, we preach Christ, we teach Christ, we minister Christ to the people as their portion so that they are enriched in Him, so that they are built up in Him. So that they are rooted, grounded, and they establish in the faith. You need Christ as your daily meal, as your daily portion, in order for you to grow in Christ and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I pray that you continue to grow in the grace, in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, this is our episodic teaching. This is freedom, uh, experiencing Christ daily. And this is episode 27. I believe that if you have been following, you have really enjoyed. You have learned a lot and you are enlightened. Your eyes have been enlightened. Your heart, your spirit has been quickened to in the things of God. I bless God for this wonderful moment that he has given us. And I appreciate everyone that is sharing our messages, inviting people to our platforms, to our radio, Freedom Experience Radio, to our website, freedomexperienceministry.org. And those that are following us on Facebook, please, God bless you. Those that are uh, always tuning in for these wonderful services on the radio at 1 p.m. p.m. East African time and at 9 p.m. East African time. And also, uh, we have other teaching uh, time at 3 a.m. in the morning East African time and 6 p.m. in the evening East African time. We see that these two times, these four times that we appear on the radio, they are a blessing to a lot and most people are following it. God bless you. Those that are turning on always on Sunday for at 10 a.m. up to 2 p.m. We have almost two to three services that we are always ministering on the radio. Thank you for always being a good support. And I know that you are transforming into that which pleases God. May God richly bless you. We love you. We pray for you. We believe in you. In Jesus' mighty name. Right now, let us continue into the word. And uh, because we have a lot to discuss and to study and to learn about today. We are learning about Christ and now we are supposed to be, uh, we have received him, now we are supposed to be rooted in him and built up in him. Then we are supposed to be uh, rooted in him, grounded in him, be built up in him, then walk in him. Now we see that as Paul is continuing to tell us in Colossians uh, chapter 2 verse 4, we see that Paul says, for those of you who have just turned in, just know that there are previous episodes you have not yet covered. You always visit our website 
to find them. But we are continuing because we are still going on. We are in Colossians chapter 2 verse 4 and we are going to also read verses 8. The Bible says in Colossians 2 4, this is Paul. He says that, And I say, and, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Words. You see, it says that this I say that no one may delude you or deceive you with persuasive speech. Then in verse 8, he goes on to say, Beware that no one carries you off as spoil through his philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the elements of the world, and according to, uh, and not according to Christ. Meaning that he was warning them. And if we could experience Christ um, as the mystery of God, we must take care not to be deceived, not to be deluded. You see, all carried off from, from Christ. We should not be led away to anything that replaces Christ. We need to remain in Christ. As long as we remain in Christ, we shall also remain in the church. If you see people not fellowshipping, it's because they have also been transplanted from Christ. Christ must be our only base, our only ground and standing, you see. Now, in these days, some are distracted by certain things which they take as their ground instead of Christ. We saw that previous episode. And the issue is not whether the things are right or wrong. Even there are some good things and spiritual things that are distracting people from Christ. Now, it is that they are used as standing in place of Christ. Even good things, spiritual things, they are now standing in the place of Christ. A person can come to church seeking a miracle, seeking a gift, seeking the power of God. And this power, the miracle, the gift, the good things, the anointing, the what, the grace, the, the move of that power becomes something that is standing in the place of Christ. And a person will not see Christ, will always see that miracle, that power, that gift. So Christ should be our unique focus, even when we come to church. Miracle signs and wonders gifts are supposed to point towards Christ. Once a person is healed, he's supposed to continue in Christ. We should not allow anything, even the most correct and scriptural things, to replace Christ. And if we care for Christ and nothing else, and uh, we begin to care for him, I tell you, we are not going to be carried off. But if we care for any other thing instead of Christ, we are going to be deceived and carried off from from Christ and we shall become uh, people who are lost just like in this present day. So anyone, anyone who has been deceived or carried away from Christ needs to receive even Paul's instruction as we are reading it in Colossians to return to the all-inclusive Christ, to return to the all-inclusive Christ. And I pray that may we all experience him as the mystery of God. Today, let us begin, uh, uh, right, right away, continue from uh, wherever we started. We, uh, we ended last time. And uh, we want to talk about to walk in Christ as our good land. To walk in Christ as our good land. Uh, you see, Christ as the, as, as the mystery of God is our good land. And we are going back in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. The Bible says that, As therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. Now, that one we saw in the previous messages. We spoke about experiencing Christ as the mystery of God. Now, we shall go on to consider how do we walk in such a Christ? How should we walk? How do we walk in Christ? Because when we talk about walking in Christ, people don't know how to walk. How should we walk? And I've come to show you how you should walk, how we should walk in Christ. Now, to walk in Christ as the mystery of God is number one, to live in Christ. I told you that. To act in Christ, to behave in Christ, and to have our being in Him. Now, in the chapter 1 of Colossians, Paul presents a profound revelation of Christ in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. The first aspect uh, of Christ is unveiled in this chapter as Christ as the portion of the saints. So Christ becomes our portion, our inheritance, our share. 
Now, the good land in the Old Testament typifies Christ as the saints' portion, all inheritance, all lot. Now, in this chapter, uh, chapter 1, we see that Paul also shows that Christ is the image of the invisible God. All this, I want to tell you, we have already covered. I'm just uh, doing some recap. In chapter 1, we see Christ as the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We see him as the head of the body. We see him as the firstborn from among the dead. And also the one uh, in whom all the fullness is pleased to dwell. Now, Paul opens chapter 2, where we are, with a word about his great struggle for the Colossians, that their hearts would be comforted, encouraged, and to all riches of the full assurance of understanding and to the full knowledge of the mystery of God, which is Christ. That is Colossians 2, verse 2. Now, only when the hearts of the saints are comforted or cherished and warmed could we or could the saints be able to have the proper understanding of Christ if our hearts are warm, they are comforted, they are cherished. Now this could uh, this this will enable the believer to have the genuine experience of Christ. Now the Colossians that we are studying, um, um, they needed to be comforted and their hearts needed to be comforted and uh, uh, encouraged and they, they needed their minds to be sober in order to have the full knowledge of Christ they had received and from whom they had been distracted. Even today we have received Christ but we have a lot of things including teachings, including good things and spiritual things that are distracting believers from Christ. But this Christ is the mystery of God, is the one in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. That is in Colossians chapter 2 verse 3. We saw that. We also saw that he is the one in whom all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. And once the Colossians had had the full assurance of understanding concerning the all-inclusive Christ, they could then walk in him. That's where we are. To walk in Christ comes when you have fully understood, you have the full assurance. You see? So, we have pointed out that the word walk in in Colossians 2.6 means to live, to act, to behave, and to have our being. Now, the one in whom we are, we are to walk is the all-inclusive Christ. The one who is revealed in this wonderful way in chapter 1 of Colossians and also in chapter 2. Now, as such a one, Christ is the portion of the saints. And the mystery of God's economy, God's divine plan. When we see Colossians, uh, we see that just as the Colossians, we, we need also today uh, to be exhorted, to be uh, encouraged to walk in Christ, who is everything to us, until we take Christ as everything to us, you see. If we don't take Christ as everything to us, I tell you, we are going to go for other things other than Christ. But I want to encourage us that we need to know that we need to take him as our portion. Today, majorly, I'm going to talk about Christ being our good land. Because if the Bible says we should walk in him, we have got to know and to have this typology of him being our land. You see? Now, when we talk about Christ being our good land, we will see Paul's perspective. As Paul was writing this chapter of Colossians 2, uh, he was considering the picture of the good land in the Old Testament and as a type of the all-inclusive Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, there are many types of Christ and figures and shadows that are pointing at Christ. But there is nothing more more general and all-inclusive as the good land, which is Canaan, the promised land. And if we want to know the all-inclusiveness of Christ, what Christ has and is, whatever he is to us and whatever he has to us, we are going to see and examine the good land of Canaan. You see, there is a suggestion of this in, in, first, in, rather in Colossians 1.12. We see that Paul was saying, 
Christ is the portion of the saints, is the inheritance. So, in Colossians 2.6, Paul continues to tell us, because Christ is our portion as our inheritance, let us walk in Christ. Now, this implies that Christ is the land, the territory. He is the realm, the sphere, in which we may walk. And furthermore, Paul goes on to tell us in Colossians 2.7, these verses we have already read, that's why I'm just uh, stating, quoting them for you. It tells us that we are to be rooted in Christ. Now this one also indicates that he was thinking of the good land. When it talks about you have received him, walk in him, be rooted in him, is your portion. He's seeing Christ as the way the children of Israel possessed the good land, Canaan. Now, this is the mind of Paul that he had when he was writing the book of Colossians. He was showing us how we should take Christ. Now, in order for us to be rooted in Christ, he must be our land, our soil. You cannot talk about being rooted when there is no soil. When, when he says you have received Christ, walk in him, then that means he is supposed to be our land. So this is how we, we come to the full realization and the proper understanding. He's supposed to be our realm, our, our land, our sphere, where we move, we live. You see? He's supposed to be our soil. All these are indications that Christ revealed in the book of Colossians is our good land. It's that which you are pursuing in the New Testament. The Old Testament uh, believers, they were pursuing the good land. They are working for the good land to reach there, to possess it, to, to enjoy it to eat from the produce of the land, to build the temple of God, to worship God. In the New Testament, we are supposed to receive Christ as our land, enter Him, possess Him, gain Him, win Him. Then we begin to enjoy Him, experience Him. We begin to worship and become God's building, the building of God, the church. So it is the same. The principle is still the same. Now, Paul had a strong background in the Old Testament. Remember, he was a, a, a Pharisee. He had studied thoroughly the Old Testament. So when he got saved, he had this picture in the background of in the Old Testament. Now, as he was writing these such episodes as the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Colossians, and other books, even Hebrews, he must have had the Old Testament scriptures very much in mind. He knew the Old Testament and he wrote many things concerning and according to basing from the Old Testament. But now for our experience. Now, in particular, we see that Paul was writing the book of Colossians. He had the picture of the land of Canaan in his mind. He was aware that God is chosen people in the Old Testament times. They enjoyed the good land as their portion. Furthermore, we see that he was also, he had also realized that the good land was everything to them. In other words, they were only working for one thing, the promised land. They were delivered to, uh, from Egypt. They moved through the desert. They were going to one place, the promised land. So everything was in that land. It was, the land was everything to them. It was through the good land that they could worship God. That's why they told uh, Pharaoh, uh, uh, Moses told Pharaoh to release the people so that they go and worship their God. So, in others, they were aiming to come to the land so that they may worship God. And also, they wanted also to build there the temple of, for God's testimony. And also, they, want, they wanted to get God a dwelling place. That's why they built there a temple. Now, it was through the good land that God's purpose could be fulfilled through the children of Israel. Remember, he had promised Abraham that I'll give you the land. He had talked uh, 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 to, to Moses that he's going to build a tabernacle. Now, when we see that the good land uh, meant a lot to God's chosen people in the Old Testament. And if you didn't know, when you go back in the Old Testament, there is nothing, there is no message that is deeper than the land which was the land of Canaan, which became Israel. Now, this is what we are going to be going deep and study to see what Christ is to the church. You see, this is the picture we're supposed to take. It was through the good land that they, they were to 
to fulfill all God's uh, purpose and plan. The same applies to us in the New Testament. If you would experience the all-inclusive Christ, if you are going to get a revelation of, uh, of every book in the New Testament, you need to realize that such a Christ you have received is typified by the land of Canaan in the Old Testament. You see? So, the, 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 the Christ who is typified by the good land is the processed triune God as the life-giving spirit. I've told you previously that when I talk about processed triune God, I mean the God who has passed through processes of incarnation and uh, he lived in this life, then he was crucified, then he was buried, resurrected. That is the process until he became the life-giving spirit. So, that process was completed. Now we are able to, to transfer. We have been translated. We, have been, we are now able to be transfigured. We are now able to become spirit because of this process. And I admit that uh, this is what I emphasize again and again. This is one of our mission in the church to show you that we are now, uh, we are taking Christ, uh, rather we are taking the triune God as the life-giving spirit. You see, we are showing you that Christ has become the Lord Spirit for your enjoyment, your land enjoy. Now, if we would walk in Christ as the mystery of God, we must see that according to Paul's concept, the Christ in whom we received, we are now to walk in, is the good land. If we take Christ as the good land, then we begin to enjoy, and all other scriptures will unfold clearly in your eyes. You see, you see, concerning this matter, we need the full assurance of understanding. You need several scriptures. You need to do a lot of study in the scriptures with the Spirit of God to see that Christ is seen as a good land for you to possess. I will ask you a question. If the Old Testament believers were working for the, old, the, or the land which is Canaan, what are we working for as the New Testament believers? Someone will tell me that we are working for heaven. No. It's not the vision of God. God's vision is for us to receive his son as the gift, as the portion, as everything, as our everything. That's why he makes him to become the husband and become the wife. So, we are aiming at one thing to possess our land, which is Christ, so that we enjoy and eat, as I'm going to show you in the scriptures. Because I'm going to show you the Christ you have received and what the Bible sees and reveals Him to us. So, we need to have, we need to have the full assurance. We need to, to have this Christ as the mystery of God. We need to see Him as the way the Bible is revealing him to us. We need to have the concept of Paul that he had when he was ministering in all his episodes. He saw Christ as the good land. That's why he says, walk in him. Now concerning this matter, I've told you, you need to have the full assurance. Message after message, you are going to, we are going to be sharing unto you if you are still following us. And we shall show you, show you the subject, which is Christ, as the good land. And this matter is inexhaustible, is so wide. We can get out of scriptures that prove that Christ is our all-inclusive land. And I pray that you come to that such a realization. I'm giving you one of the Old Testament scripture, which is Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7 to 10. This is a profound message in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses now when you see in verses 1 uh, we see that uh, he was warning Moses was giving them the commandments and he told them that God is going to take you into the land and you uh, if you observe to do everything he says that and you and you will live you multiply you will go in and possess the land that is verse 1 which the Lord swear unto your fathers and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thy, thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you should keep his commandment or not. 
verse 3 says that, And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed fed thee uh, with manna which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know, and he that he might make thee know that man does not live on bread only, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord does man live. Verse 4 says that they, thy raiment waxed not old unto thee, neither uh, did thy foot swell these forty years. 5. It says that thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chastises his son, so the Lord God chastises thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God brings thee into a good land. Then Moses tells them about a good land. The Lord is bringing them into a good land. Verse, it says, verse 7. A land of brooks, of water, of fountains, and of depth that springs out of the valleys and hills. Now, the, Moses is describing the features in the land. And these features are all types of Christ. So, he talks about the valleys and the hills. In verse 8, he says that a land of wheat and barley, the vine and fig tree, the pomegranates, and a land of oil, olive, and honey. He says, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, and the land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills thou mayst dig brass. Verse 10, when thou hast eaten and as a fool, thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the, the good land he has given thee. Now, these are the verses in Deuteronomy. We see that basing on these verses, we consider the unsearchable riches of the land. Remember the Bible says in Ephesians 3 8 that Christ has got the unsearchable riches and Paul was called to minister the unsearchable riches. When you enter the land of Canaan, you find the riches of the land. And Deuteronomy chapter 8, 7 to 10 is describing the riches of the land. The land is flowing with milk and honey and all these other aspects. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we see Christ as our all-inclusive land, having all the unsearchable riches, whereby Ephesians 1.3 says that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And these blessings are in heaven places in Christ. They are in the land. I, 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 I hope you are getting a picture now. The land of Canaan had the water, the food, the minerals. And when we are sharing these messages, I will show you that all these riches are the riches of Christ typified by Canaan, the land of Canaan. Hallelujah. So, if you are a student of the word and you are a Bible scholar, you study scriptures, you are going to realize that the Bible is not easy to understand. It's not that easy to understand. And according to our opinion, we would ask, we would say that God should have written the Bible in a systematic way. You see? We want him to write him in a systematic way, covering each of the major points systematically. You want, we, we, our opinion is that uh, God should we want him uh, that he should write the Bible in a systematic way, in order whereby everything is put in one place, whereby you can just go through and understand. I want to tell you, the Lord did not do so. He did not put everything in order, whereby you just find everything lined up in topics, yeah? in, a, in a, a systematic way, with the major headings. Yeah? and subdivisions for you to understand. No. We must recognize that the Lord's way is the best. He, he began to write some things and drop them in several scriptures, several books, whereby I've got to combine them and come up with a message. Like the way we are tracing Christ from Genesis to Revelation. We are showing you Christ from Genesis to Revelation in all the things you see in the Bible. And this is one of our burdens to see that 
people enjoy the word of God in an experiential and a living way. You see? So, in the Bible, we see that the Lord speaks out about a particular subject in various places. He can speak in Genesis and speak in Revelation, but he's speaking about one thing. Like, for example, justification. This subject is covered in more than one book. It's not in one book. You can find it even in the Old Testament throughout. And because of our capacity, and our capacity is so limited, we see that the Lord knew that we, we need such a revelation. We need to take time to get some revelation and spiritual understanding concerning spiritual matters. And that's why he has given us the spirit. He says, when the spirit shall come unto you, he shall guide you into all truth. When we come back, we see that this is also true uh, on the revelation of Christ as our good land. We have been knowing Christ as our savior, redeemer, forgiver of sins. And that's how we pray. That's how we, we mention him. Very few of the people have seen Christ as their all-inclusive land, as the good land. Let me show you the Christ who is all-inclusive today, in today's episode. When we go back, we see that on, on the one hand, the good land, in the, which is revealed in the Old Testament, um, is, is revealed and it was seen that it was the good land. And on another hand, it was concealed. People could not understand understand it. In other words, it was like um, we see Deuteronomy describes the good land, and we may say that the good land is revealed in the Old, the, the Old Testament. But because the meaning and the significance, the meaning of the good land is concealed, when we read the Old Testament and we see some scriptures talking about the good land, we see the water, we see the the oil. We see the olive oil, the pomegranates, we see the trees, the valleys, the hills. We can understand those things. But we don't know the, the, the hidden meaning of the, the things we have seen. In other words, even the revelation you have seen in the Old Testament uh, concerning the good land, you have not yet come to the full understanding of what they mean. This time I want to take you at least briefly to show you the picture and the mind of God concerning us possessing Christ as our land. Now, as the Lord's children, we are supplied, supplied by His mercy and His grace. We are supposed to investigate the scriptures. We need to begin to realize that the good land, which is promised by God in His, uh, His chosen people, is a type of Christ to us in the New Testament. For example, if the Passover which was enjoyed in Egypt and even the manner which was experienced in the wilderness were types of Christ. Then the good land, which is Canaan, must also be a type of Christ. We cannot say that the, 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 the Passover lamb is a type. The manna eaten in the desert is a type. And uh, uh, other stuff that sacrifice are a type. And we fail to see that even the land is a type of Christ. We have got to see that the land is a type of Christ. Let us read Joshua chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. We see that the Bible says in Joshua 5, 11 and 12, there is a hint that the good land typifies Christ as the continuation of the manna which was in the desert. Verse 11 says that the children of Israel ate of the produce of the land. Verse 12 is especially clear and goes further to say, And the manna seized on the morrow after they had eaten of the produce of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, because, it says, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Now here manna was a type of Christ as the life supply for God's people. They were sustained in the desert by bread from heaven to supply their lives and Christ is a man is a type of Christ he says that I when he made the, the bread in John 6 he told them that your father ate that bread and it was not uh, eternal it was not permanent but I give you the bread which is permanent and that bread is me typifying himself as the bread which was given in the desert 
in John chapter 6. Now, as these verses in Joshua, they are pointing out the produce of the good land. And this is the continuation of the manna. When they ate from the produce of the land, the manna which comes from heaven ceased. Now they had to learn how to till the ground and work the ground, work Christ so that they may produce Christ. Work out the ground so that they may reap out Christ from the land they have entered. So, today we are not getting Christ who is in the heavens. We have already entered Christ, we are living in Him, and we are supposed to work out Christ to get Christ. You see, even today. There is no uh, manna coming from heaven. We have already received the produce, the good land, which is Christ. We can eat from Him. So, He lives in us. We say that uh, if the manna typified Christ, then the produce of the good land must also typify Christ. And by means of the supply of manna in the wilderness, we see that God's people were able to build the tabernacle because they ate food in the desert. It enabled them to build the tabernacle as God's dwelling place. It enabled them because when they ate, they got the strength to work. Even today, when you eat Christ, we get the strength to build the church. So in the same principle, through the supply of the rich produce of the land of Canaan, when they entered Canaan, they were able to build the temple as a more solid dwelling place for God. They were eating from the produce of the land. They get the wisdom. They get the strength to build the temple. Now, this is no doubt the good land enjoyed by the children of Israel is it is a type of Christ for through the enjoyment of it the temple was built even today if we eat Christ as our portion as our bread as our water and we eat Christ as our daily meal we are going to get the wisdom the strength to build the church amen to build the church we have got to see this vision Hallelujah. I hope that you are following closely in Jesus' name. So we need to have and to see this vision that even today, Christ is our all-inclusive land. And the more we eat on him, we are going to, 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 to build the church, the body of Christ. We are going to be built up in him to become the dwelling place for our God. And this is the vision and the heart of our God. Amen. So, we need to have in our hearts, uh, in, uh, in others, uh, we need to have the, this Christ as a portion found in the scriptures. When we begin to see this Christ in the scriptures as our good land, we are going to become people who are going to continue the work of building Christ, the body of Christ, you see? Now, to, to have our hearts comforted and encouraged and knit together in love and to the full knowledge of Christ as the mystery of God includes having the full knowledge of Christ as typified by the good land. We need to know, we need to have the knowledge that Christ is typified as the good land in the Old Testament. If you want to enjoy, to have the full knowledge, you see, we need to know in detail how Christ is typified in, in the types that we see in the Old Testament, especially in the good land. You see, in the land of Canaan, Deuteronomy 8, 7 to 11, it is one of the examples. We see that he is the water that springs from the valleys and hills. He is the wheat and the barley. Wheat and barley, these signify respectively the incarnated Christ, which is wheat, and barley, which is the crucified Christ and resurrected Christ. Remember, this is seen also in John 12, whereby Jesus uh, calls himself the wheat, the seed, the corn of wheat, which is to be buried to become uh, to produce much, much fruit. So, buried works in the resurrection, whereas wheat works in the incarnation of Christ. He says in John 12 that except the corn of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. That is the Christ which is in incarnation, not yet passed through the process of crucifixion and resurrection to become. The, to produce many, many brothers, which is many, many fruit 
are all many many seeds of wheat which is barley you see barley is uh, a type of resurrection typifies resurrection the resurrection the resurrected Christ you see so uh, we must go on to see how Christ is typified uh, by the wine the oil the figs the pomegranates and the minerals we see in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that means that without these verses in Deuteronomy chapter 8 we should we would be short in our understanding of the all-inclusive Christ but we see that Moses had to define all the features of the land the land is the crucial focus of the Old Testament you see so this is the reason that in the Old Testament the Lord speaks of the land again and again again and again he called out Abraham and he told him that he would bring him into a certain land which was the land of Canaan now consider how many times from Genesis chapter 12 to the end of the Old Testament the Lord referred to the land every now and then we see that the center of the Old Testament is is, is the temple within the city built in the good land that was the center of the Old Testament from Genesis to Marakai you see that they are talking about the temple the city Jerusalem the good land of Canaan which is the land of the, of the Israelites now we see that if we know uh, the scriptures and we have light from God we shall realize that the center of God is eternal plan speaking according to the type is the uh, 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 to the type is the land with its temple and the city even today in the New Testament the Lord is talking about us building the church which is his temple which you uh, consummate in the New Jerusalem the city you see Christ possessing him so that you become the church so that the church is the temple of the living God which will enlarge to become the new Jerusalem city now beginning with the book of Genesis we see now the Old Testament takes the land as the center and it mentions again and again something related to the land I'm going to show you several things and the battles and why the battles were in the Old Testament as we have pointed out repeatedly the land is the figure of the all-inclusive Christ a type of Christ as everything to us now let us see the battles that were in the land the battles the battle for the land now we see from the Old Testament there were several battles of the land several battles and these battles were as a result of the land for example we see that Satan the enemy of God has been doing this a lot of times he has been doing this continuously to frustrate the people of God from enjoying the good land he will do whatever he can to spoil the enjoyment of Christ as the land today because he has been fighting from Genesis so that man does not enjoy the land it began in the book of Genesis chapter 3 whereby when Adam was created and was given the earth to enjoy with the produce of the earth with everything that is in the earth then Satan comes in to disrupt God's plan you see but that that was not the first place I'll show you where it begins from we see that the devil even today is spoiling the, the enjoyment of Christ as our land he does not want believers to enjoy Christ he will leave you to get prosperity he will leave you to get the gifts he will leave you to get the powers the miraculous graces he will leave you to do exploits as long as you don't possess Christ as your portion enjoy Christ take Christ as your inheritance now we see that not longer after God had created the heavens and the earth uh, that is before Genesis 1 uh, we see that God had, had created the heavens and the earth with the intention of giving the earth to mankind as an enjoyment. But we see that Satan did something to frustrate him. Most of you think that Genesis 1-1 is the beginning of creation. No, that is a recreation. Because God cannot create something which is void and empty and mixed with darkness and light. No, there was a problem that was done by Satan uh, uh, Satan is fall when Lucifer fell from his authority and position 
then every creation went into chaos. Everything was mixed up with confusion because one of the prime archangel has went astray. Everything was confused, was in chaos, including the, the, the land. The water was mixed with the, 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 uh, the land and everything became darkness mixed, uh, covering the earth. So God comes in again to recreate. And that is a wide teaching. I cannot begin here. Now, we see that uh, Satan could come in to frustrate God. And because of Satan's rebellion in heaven, God had to judge the universe. He had to judge the universe. That's why you, you see that in Genesis, the Bible says in the beginning the earth, the earth was empty and void and the water was now mixed with the land. God had to recreate again. Because he had judged the universe because of the fall of one of the archangels. And due to that judgment, the earth was buried beneath the waters of the deep. And after a period of time, we see that God came in to work. That is in Genesis 1. And to recover the land from the waters of the deep. That's why when you read Genesis 1, they tell that the earth was empty and void and the spirit had to hoover. And the, the, then the Lord says, let there be light. Let there be let the water separate from the, from, from the land. He began to recover. Now we see that after a period of time, God had recovered everything. He had come into to work to recover the, 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 the land from the waters of the deep. Then we see that upon this recovered land, and now in Genesis 1, which you know, there were abundance of life in plants and every creature that came into being. And there came forth a life which was supreme, which was in the image of God, which is man, Adam. A life which committed uh, with the authority, God committed it with the authority to have dominion over everything on earth, according to Genesis 1.26. We see that after that, it was not long afterward when the enemy of God came in, in again to, to deceive man and to put God in a position where judgment upon the earth was again uh, imperative. You see? He, when, when Adam was created and they, there comes in Genesis 3 the serpent and beguiles Eve then Eve uh, tempts uh, uh, Adam to eat on the forbidden tree then again God judges the earth again and as in, you remember that that's when the, he sent the floods in the time of Noah because evil now had come back in the earth and he had again to destroy the earth because the devil was fighting to see that there is no land for man to enjoy. There is no earth which is in proper order. Now, we see that after that, uh, Noah was told to build the ark. Then we see God recovers the earth once again after in the days of Noah. And uh, we see after he recovers the earth in the days of Noah, uh, bringing, it, bringing it out of under the waters of the deep, then he tells Noah to build an ark. He was speaking, another. Uh, here he is speaking according to the type, um, man was separated from the enjoyment of Christ, as signified by the land. For example, God tells Noah, build an ark, I'm going to, to bring floods. And the floods was filling the entire earth, whereby every creature died. And only Noah and the family were put in the ark. That means that the ark was separating again, man from the land because God was judging the land again and we see that as a type this is how we are separated from the enjoyment of Christ just as Noah and the, the, the human beings we are separated from the land by the floods even today the devil sends in floods of problems floods of debts floods of sickness floods of evil so that we are separated from the enjoyment of Christ but thank God for the ark. We see that, but through the redemption of the ark, Noah and his family, Noah and his family obtained the right to possess again the land and to enjoy its riches again. After the floods had subsided, we see that the ark was now uh, opened and Noah had to come out to the family now to again possess the land and enjoy the land. So the flood separated the people from the earth, but the ark brought Noah and his family back the enjoyment of the earth, just like today. 
sin separated us from God in the days of, the, of Genesis, but the ark which is our Jesus Christ has brought us back to the enjoyment of God. Now we are brought back to enjoy whatever is ours on, on, on this earth. Now we see that uh, once again man took possession of the land and began to enjoy the riches of the land in the days of Noah and the family. He prospered. But we see that not so long uh, again uh, before the enemy had come in and he began to spoil again the land, the earth and the enjoyment of the earth and this time it was the rebellion at Babel in Genesis 11. Again the children of men began to conspire and rebel against God. They say we are not going to scatter to fill the earth. Let us build one tower which is going upward so that we don't fill the earth. The devil was behind. He didn't want man to enjoy the land in all, in all its fullness. He wanted them to be in one place. And that's why God comes to confuse them. He says, no, you are, you are now going against my will. My will is for man to enjoy the land. And you want them to be in one place, not in the land, but going upward where there is no land. So we see that that's when he comes to disorganize and um, confuse the people in, uh, uh, that were building the Tower of Babel. And we see that out of that fallen race that was rebellious by Satan, God called one man again, called Abraham. He comes to Abraham, he tells him that I'm going to give you a certain land. You see that for all this while God is coming back to recover the land, to recover the land. Now he says, I'm not going to, he changes from the created race to, to, the, uh, to the chosen race. He says, now let me get one person and give him a portion of the land. And we see that even this chosen one, who is Abraham, gradually when you read Genesis chapter 12 and 13, he gradually drifted away from the land into Egypt. He left Canaan and he went to Egypt. That is the work of the devil. And we see that, that after some time, the Lord had to bring him back to the land because the purpose was the land. Eventually, we see that um, the descendants, the Israelites, after Abraham, Isaac, had died, then Jacob gives the birth to the twelve. Then after some time in the days of Joseph, famine comes and again they are swerved away back in Egypt and they are leaving the good land. They went back to Egypt and they were, they were now captives in Egypt. They have been taken away from the land. That is the work of the devil. I'm showing you the battle of the land in the Old Testament. And this is the battle we are fighting as the church today. The devil does not want believers to enjoy Christ. He can leave them to do other stuff, but not to enjoy Christ as their land, as their portion, as their everything. We see that they were taken to Egypt. And after a period of 430 years, God comes back through Moses and brings them back to the good land. Now, centuries later, we see that the enemy moved again and sent the army of, from Babylon. Those are now, we are in the days of, of Jeremiah, the prophets, the days of the prophets, whereby now the Babylonians came in, they spoiled uh, the, the land and they, they capture the people and take them out of the land. You see? And we see that after the prophets of Jeremiah, after 70 years in the days of Daniel, we see an Ezra and Nehemiah, we see they are brought back once more into the good land. Now by all this, we see that the history of the Old Testament is related to one topic, the land. And God's work is always to recover the land. Even today, we are born again, but we have been swerved, we have been taken away from the land which is Christ. And God's work is to bring recovery messages just like this one, teachings like these ones, to take you back to Christ so that you may focus on one thing, possessing Christ as your all-inclusive land. This is the will of God. This is the heart of Christ. We need to be people who are possessors of Christ. Because in the entire history, we see that Christ is, God is doing one thing to cause people to regain the land. Even today, the devil is hindering us to enjoy Christ as our all-inclusive land. 
He is always creating chaos in the land. That's why you see there is a lot of confusion in the church today. Believers are fighting their fellow believers. Pastors are fighting their fellow pastors. Churches are fighting their fellow pastors. They have many denominations. This one does not submit to this one. There is chaos because the devil doesn't want us to have the peace to enjoy Christ. And you've got to wake up and be sober and vigilant. That's why Jesus tells us to watch and pray that we may not enter into the temptation of not enjoying Christ, of not taking Christ as our portion. So even the New Testament, we see that God's work is always to recover you and me back to Christ, to the land, Whereas the land has got good things and we are not going to be taken by the good things, we are going to enjoy the land and all its riches. Nothing shall separate us from Christ. The enemy is at work and is always frustrating, spoiling, hindering the enjoyment of the land. And we have got to fight back to see that we stand on the ground of truth and we see that there is full assurance of the proper understanding of this Christ. So, the devil is always wanting to bring chaos in the land. And we have seen that the land is our all-inclusive Christ. So, the enemy is the enemy's intention, we have seen that, is to assault the land and to take it over. But we have got to see that we are, we are not going to allow him. God is going to move in and to fight for his people to recover the land. God is going to bring such messages to see that we are recovered back to the land. Hallelujah. So allow me, allow me to stop here by the grace of God. I want you to ponder and think, think about these teachings. Think about what you have discovered today. Today I've been, uh, my burden has been to reveal to you the battle of the land and to show you that Christ is our all-inclusive land and to show you that we are to walk, to live, and be built up, rooted up in Him. We are to enjoy Him as our all-inclusive land. If you have been following, you will see that uh, today God has been showing us how we can enjoy Colossians 2, 6, and 7. If you have received Christ, therefore walk in Him. But we have got to know that He is our Sophia, our land. Hmm? For us to walk in is our good land. You've got to know Christ as your good land, just as the Israelites were working for the portion of the of the promised land. Even us, we are supposed to enter into the produce of the land. We have seen that many believers are still in the Egypt, feeding on Christ as their lamb. They know Christ as the lamb that takes away their sin. Other believers are in the desert there. They are stuck feeding on Christ as their manna. Because they are seeing a miracle from heaven, they think they have reached the entire possession. But I want to pray for you that you become a person who graduates and comes to enter Christ, possess him, gain him, enjoy him, take him as your portion. Begin to see him as your everything. Begin to eat from the produce of Christ. Begin to eat from the produce of the land. Don't depend on manna which comes from heaven. Miracles are like manna, Christ as in form of manna to feed you uh, uh, on that particular day. But that manna is not long lasting, it's a daily's miracle, it's a daily's portion. You need to, to have a place whereby you will produce uh, Christ for yourself so that you work out Christ, you get a vine, a garden whereby you till Christ, you work out Christ. You grow Christ, you enjoy Christ continuously. You need to enter the land. You need to see that the land is full of all these riches. Hallelujah. Hey, the Lord rich bless you. This is Pastor Dennis. Once again, I want to welcome you uh, to follow our website and to always visit our website for wonderful, wonderful teachings. The website is at freedomexperienceministry.org. There are several things uh, like these devotions and the episodes. You can even feel like if you want to donate, we need your support because it takes a lot to uh, minister in such a way. I pray that God gives you that grace to support us. Visit our website and donate. Any form of donation, God shall richly bless you. We love you. We pray for you. Bye-bye. This is Pastor Dennis, Freedom Experience Ministry. 
Kampala, Uganda. To get more of this message and partner with Freedom Experience Ministry, log on to our website www.freedomexperienceministry.org or find us on our Facebook page, Freedom Experience Ministry. You can also call us directly on plus 256-703-89-0009. Be blessed. Experience the mystery of the word, the redemptive power of revelation, and eternity purpose brought to light in your walk with Christ.